Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Nathan Hirsch, co-founder of Outsource School, an education platform for entrepreneurs that want to learn how to scale their businesses using reliable virtual assistants. Nathan and his co-founder scaled their first e-commerce business to $25 million in total sales using virtual assistants. Then they scaled and sold their second company, FreeUp, with a 100% remote team of virtual assistants. They've been recognized on over 250 podcasts, such as Entrepreneur on Fire, and were on the Entrepreneur 360 list for two years in a row, commending them as one of the best entrepreneurial companies in America. At their core, they are systems entrepreneurs always looking for new ways to automate and outsource to virtual assistants and talented professionals. Nathan, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So you have a ton of experience starting and scaling companies and obviously outsourcing. With the few companies I touched on, can you kind of walk us through like an overhead view of what that was like and, and how you got to where you are now? Yeah. So it all started going into college. I'd had some summer jobs and I had a boss and I realized that that wasn't for me. So when I got to college, I started hustling and buying people's textbooks and reselling them, competing with my school bookstore. And that was really my first entrepreneurial endeavor. This was 2008, 2009. Amazon was bursting onto the scenes. I started selling some books on there and I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to <laughs> knock it off. So that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur, like I said, and I pivoted. I didn't want to get kicked out of school. So I started trying to sell other products on Amazon and I tried sporting equipment, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff that I was familiar with. And I just failed over and over and over. And it wasn't until I found the baby product industry that my business really took off. So if you can imagine me as a college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products, that was me. This was B2C. And mm -hmm. I tried hiring college kids to help me grow, help me scale. That was an absolute disaster. They were smoking <laughs> weed on the job, drinking, sleeping in, all that. And, and so I pivoted to the remote hiring space. And I really scaled my Amazon business, hiring from the Upworks, the Fibers with virtual assistants. And I got pretty sick of them. I, I hated posting a job, getting 100 applicants, interviewing one by one. B2C at the same time was, was not as much fun. Uh, mm -hmm. Selling baby products gets old when, when you're not passionate about baby products. So I ended up starting a competing marketplace to Upwork called FreeUp. And 
the whole concept and our whole sales pitch was we would pre-vet VAs, freelancers, before they got on the platform. We'd match you up quickly. We'd have 24-7 support in case anything went wrong. And we'd have a no turnover guarantee. If someone quit, we'd cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So we went to market, minimum viable product, $5,000 invested in it. And people fortunately really liked us. They liked our support. They liked our vetting and our matching. They didn't really like our software until we invested in it uh, years later. But we really scaled that business very organically with podcasts and partnerships and content and affiliates. And we scaled that from a $5,000 investment just using VAs, no office, to doing a million, five million, nine million, eventually 12 million last year. And we're acquired by one of our clients, which is a whole another story we can get into if you want to. But then once we sold it, people started reaching out asking, how did we scale it? How do we scale it using virtual assistants? And we created our new venture outsource school, which is an education membership site where we teach our members our exact systems and processes to implement virtual assistants into their business and scale it. So that's the short version, uh, books, baby products, free up, and now outsource school. Awesome. So when you started working with virtual assistants, like anyone who's just kind of got in their feet wet working with virtual assistants knows that it's really tough to do if you don't know what you're doing. What are some things that you realize you could start kind of systematizing first and start really getting as much efficiency as possible out of that relationship? Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it took me years of bad hires to kind of learn all the lessons and put steps in place. And I always wish that there was someone that would just give me, Hey, this is how you interview. These are the questions you ask. This is how you onboard. This is how you prevent mistakes. This is how you run meetings. And that's really why we build outsource school. But I mean, at the beginning, I'll give you an example. I was doing all my QuickBooks by myself. Eventually, mm. I hired Connor, my first employee who became my business partner to this day. But we would get these credit card statements because we would give all these manufacturers our credit card. Every time we sent them an order, they would charge our card. So by the time we got these statements, they were a mess. They were really thick. And we would have to input them into QuickBooks. And not really knowing what we were doing in QuickBooks, not being bookkeepers. We were manually entering that. We were making a lot of mistakes. It was a terrible task. And, and all those hours that we spent doing the bookkeeping for our business, not only did we not do it very, very well and had to redo it over and over and over, but that wasn't scaling our business. That wasn't leading to growth or expansion. So once we started to learn how to use VAs, my second hire at FreeUp was a bookkeeper. My first hire at Outsource School was a bookkeeper. And these are people that have years of bookkeeping experience. They don't file my taxes. I have an accountant for that. But I also don't have to pay my accountant top dollar to do all the small little bookkeeping tasks in my business. And we're actually launching a course called the Bookkeeping Formula. I was working on that this morning. And it's how to set up a VA to complement your accountant and get you out of your billing, but make sure that it gets done right and that you get monthly reports sent to you that have the right information so you can make good business decisions from the beginning. I'll give you the second thing that I hire for. I go on a lot of podcasts, right? I've been on 250, mm -hmm. 300, whatever it is. And I get a lot of requests for not only podcasts, but networking calls and different meetings. And these hours add up when you spend mm -hmm. time going into every booking link, checking your calendar. So my first hire at Free Up and my second hire at Outsource School was a VA to do my calendar management. And we're launching a playbook called the Calendar Management Formula. And whenever someone sends me their calendar, I send it to my VA. We set up rules. So I don't do more than one podcast a day. I, I have mornings blocked off so I can work on a project and go to the gym. I don't have more than X amount of networking calls a day. And, and they manage all that for me. And every week I'm getting hours of my week that I can focus on bigger and better things. And that's just two examples of ways you can get your time back as an entrepreneur. 
Got it. So you're outsourcing that stuff you either weren't naturally good at or just didn't want to do, right? The tedious stuff you didn't want to do. Okay. Awesome. And just, you mentioned you scaled organically, you know, content, podcasts. How did you kind of figure out what to do when it came to, you know, scaling organically and what did that look like when it, as it played out? Yeah, great question. So when I, I came from the Amazon world and I didn't know anything about marketing because with Amazon, you pay them their 15%, they get all the customers, you don't really have to market anything. So Going into free up, I knew how to hire. I knew how to build the team. I was able to do that very quick compared to my Amazon business, but I had no idea how to market. And mm -hmm. I was throwing stuff against the wall, essentially, seeing what worked, what didn't work, what was a good use of my time. And over time, when I found stuff that would work, I turn it into a system, turn it into a process. So I went on a few podcasts I got invited to and all of a sudden I was networking with business owners, which I never really got to do in my Amazon space. I got backlinks and started learning about SEO and the benefits of that through podcasts. I was getting in front of thousands of people at once instead of doing one-on-one -on -one calls or outreach. And it would start snowballing and lead to a podcast host referring me to another podcast or, or whatever it was. And it became, all right, I'm going to start doing my own research to figure out what podcast would be a good fit. And then it became, how do I teach a virtual assistant to do this research for me so that I wake up every morning to a list of podcasts for me to quickly check reach out to. And then when they send me a link to book, I send it to my other VA who does the scheduling. So everything that you, that I do in organic marketing, and we have a, a course, the podcast outreach formula, we have the partnership playbook. We learn how to do content partners with content partnerships with people in the space and do cross promotions, all this stuff we would try. And if it would work, we turn it into a system delegate and then try something else with our new freed up time. And the VA would handle 90% of it. I do that last 10%. I'd show up for the podcast. I'd hop on the call, whatever it is. But they'd send the podcast host, host the email afterwards. They do the research before. And all of that just became systems and processes. Did you use a VA to book our meeting? No. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I love that. You're eating your own dog food. You're using a, a VA or working with a VA to amplify your reach, right? And get your message out and get on podcasts like mine and others. Love it. Moving into kind of like B2B here, as we think about people who are looking to set up sales meetings, looking to generate leads, whether they're, you know, a salesperson at a company or they are a founder, right? Someone who's looking to generate sales meetings. How can people outsource lead generation in a way that's not spammy. That's, I think a lot of people are kind of afraid of that spamming their whole market. How can people do that effectively when they're kind of getting started out? What are some things to remember? Yeah. And we have a course called the lead generation formula that that's part of it. I'll kind of give you a summary. And, and this is my personal way to go about sales. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It's what's been effective for me. So I never want a virtual assistant to pretend to be me. Like you and I were chatting uh, on Facebook messenger. That's always me. It's not, the second gotcha. you put your VA pretending to be you, you lose all trust. Mm. At the same time, a virtual assistant can reach out and say, Hey, I'm Nate's assistant. I'm covering him right now. Nate's in a meeting. Nate's sleeping. Like, let me get this scheduled for you. Let me answer any questions you have. Like, if anything, that makes you look more professional, more busy, like a, a bigger business than, than maybe you even are. So establishing that up front, then it becomes identifying what are you going after? Are you going after actual clients or are you going after influencers? Because there's two ways to go about lead generation. 
You can go after the individual client where you figure out what your customer avatar is and you teach your virtual assistant to look for those types of businesses. Hey, I want real estate agents that are in Texas that have been in business for X amount of years. Like you set up those parameters and then it becomes, all right, they get me the research, I review it, I'm the one that reaches out to them, I send an email blast, I connect with them on social media, or you go after the influencers where you're like, all right, where are these real estate agents hanging out? Maybe it's a podcast, which we already talked about, but maybe it's a Facebook group and you gotta contact the Facebook group owner. Maybe there's some real estate software and you can go partner with that real estate software company and do some content swaps, set up a partnership. And so you teach your VA and I do that now uh, for outsource school because I prefer a little bit more of the, the influencer than the one-on-one -on -one selling. Mm -hmm. And by partnering with the influencers and the people in your space over time, that's going to help your one-on-one -on -one lead gen because Absolutely. if you're reaching out to people and you're like, Hey, would love to connect. I work with real estate agents for X, Y, Z reason. And they'll come back and they say, Oh, you were just on that podcast. I listened to, or, Hey, I saw you in that group or whatever it was that only adds to your brand authority and all of that. So I like to kind of compliment those, but I like to, form the partnerships and the podcast and do that overlapping stuff before I start going one-on-one -on -one or else we've all kind of gotten those one-on-one -on -one messages where you're like, who yeah. is this guy? He's got no backstory. Like what's the deal, you know? Absolutely. And we're having this interview in 2020. And I know just from selling over for the past several years, it's gotten a lot harder to do the one-on-one, -on -one, just the cold one-on-one -on -one to get someone's attention doing that on LinkedIn or cold email. It's not as easy as it was even a few years ago. But I've noticed what definitely helps is brand, especially if someone's heard of you somewhere else on a different platform. But even if, you know, someone goes, whenever you cold email someone or LinkedIn, hit up someone, they're going to check you out first. They're going to go to your website, you know, your profile. Who is this person? Are they creating content? Do they have a podcast? Have they been on podcasts? That's all important. That supports that outbound. So I completely 100% agree with that. I've seen that myself. So I love that. How do you balance kind of the influencer versus direct? one-to-one -one, or is it kind of like may you said you do like influencer first but is it just primarily how much of that are you doing to like are you trying to achieve a critical mass and then go to direct selling what does that look like what's your playbook for that yeah so it's a combination of both i mean one of the things that, that i try to do is i try to not go into stuff with a necessary agenda like obviously i want to grow my business obviously i want to get sales but i also want to look for mutually beneficial ways to work with each other so and this is a personal thing this is nothing to do with VAs, I try to reach out to new entrepreneurs every single day to try to network with them. And I'm not trying to sell them. I'm not trying to pitch them. I'm trying to hop on a net or schedule a networking call, which my VA a lot of times will book. And on that call, learn about them, tell them about me. And if there's some way to work together, great. And if not, it's great just meeting other people in your space. And you never know when you're going to get connected with them again at some point. And when you're doing that and you're reaching out and you're constantly networking with people, at first, it's not going to seem like a lot, but you're going to look back a year later and be like, wow, my network has grown. Now, there's a little bit of strategy to this networking. I work with a lot of e-commerce sellers, marketing people, coaches, solo business owners, whatever, that are, are learning from outdoor school. For me to reach out to someone who owns like an ice cream stand, like that doesn't make a lot of sense. He's a business owner. I could network with, network with him, but that's probably not the best use of my time long term. So, as I'm figuring out who I want to reach out to network, I'm trying to find people that are either my customer avatar or a potential partner. And I could be 100% wrong. I could hop on the phone and there's no way to work together. And, and it is just that 
just getting to know them, but I'm trying to find other people in my industry that would be a fit. And that's how you really grow your network. It's not just meet every entrepreneur in the world. It's meet all the people in your industry and that's going to carry you a long way. And once you get deeper into that phone call and you've built a relationship or maybe it's the second or fifth time you've talked to them, maybe you run into them at a conference, then maybe they become a partner or then they become a lead. So you're doing small things every day that lead to big rewards later on. Awesome. And what are some ways that you are leveraging relationships so that it works for both parties? Like when you see a fit, What's your strategy there? Yeah, so we have a playbook called the Partnership Playbook. And essentially, you should create a partnership program. You don't want to get on the phone with someone and be like, all right, we should partner. Let's like go figure it out. It's like, no, like, hey, man, like you'd be a good partner. Like I have this program. It benefits both of us. Let me walk you through it. And again, I just want to take a step back and I'll explain what the partnership program is. You're looking for people in your space that have the same target audience, but that don't do the same thing as you. So with FreeUp, we went after Amazon sellers. So we went after Amazon software companies. They didn't provide VAs. We didn't provide Amazon software and we'd agree to do a partnership. Now our partnership program is set up for every six months our VA runs it and we'll reach it. The VA will reach out to them and say, Hey, what do you want to do together this half a year? And you can always increase or decrease the frequency. Maybe you have this partner and both of you are killing it for each other and you want to do something every quarter. That's fine too. I like to start off at every six months because it just makes it easy to increase and decrease. And on the bottom end, it could just be a social media post. You each tweet about each other. It could be a guest blog post where they write one for your blog and vice versa. It could be all the way up to I've sponsored VIP dinners at conferences with a different partner. That's obviously on the high end. So you set up these content swamps back and forth and you're getting email blasts to their audience or you're getting a blog post that's always on their blog. And again, you're getting in front of their community and maybe you'll reach out to a cold lead and they've read your blog article. Maybe you'll just get some warm traffic sent to you from that blog article, from that email blast. And, and again, it's mutually beneficial because they're getting in front of your audience, just like you're getting in front of theirs and you both have the same customer avatar. Awesome. Is that like the main channel for you selling courses is through partnerships content. So nothing's at the main channel. We like to keep everything very diverse. So the bottom of it is having an affiliate program. Everyone should have an affiliate program. It should be on your site. It should be easy to say. Um, We even have a Facebook group of outdoor school affiliates. So that's the bottom. Next is podcasts, which we already talked about. Next is partnerships. And again, these all kind of go together, right? Like the podcast host might want to be an affiliate. The affiliate might lead to a partnership. Next is content, which everyone knows what content is, or we can go through it if you want. Um, Lead generation to go after influencers. We talked about that. And and one-on-one lead generation also gets thrown in there. The networking calls is, is also a part of it. And I think I'm forgetting like one or two other things, but that's a basic like organic framework of this playbook. And then anything you do on ads, anything you do extra, maybe you, you go all out, you cold call a client, whatever it is, only complements what you're doing on the organic side. Got it. Got it. So you're building this solid foundation of partners, content, affiliates, to support these outbound efforts, making it a lot easier. That's actually where I'm seeing the market trend towards as well, is that the people who are doing well these days and like beyond, I see are people who have, are fully entrenched with these partnerships. They have an affiliate program, you know, they're on podcasts, they're creating content. They either have their own kind of a platform or they're on a lot of other different platforms, just getting their message out there to other audiences. Awesome. So kind of back to the outsourcing piece of lead generation and B2B, like besides kind of that direct one-to-one having, you know, a VA reach out to people to set up 
meetings and outside of doing something similar, but to get influencers on the phone and kind of start those partnership talks. What are some other ways that you've seen VAs be helpful when it comes to lead generation? Yeah. So you want to be where your audience is. That's the goal. You want to be wherever they are. And so you can get creative and use a virtual assistant to do research for you. An example of that is, Hey, let's say you go after marketing agencies, teach your VA to get you a list of every Facebook group that's for marketing agencies. Maybe make a list of every marketing conference and you can decide which one's to sponsor. Could be the same thing with other sponsorships, whether it's a podcast or, or whatever. You can do it the same thing for PR. Hey, get me the contact information for X amount of outlets. So there's a little bit of trial and error involved just because me going on podcasts has helped me grow two businesses. Doesn't mean that every single person going on podcasts, like that's going to be the trick. You have to do a little bit of trial and error to figure out what works, but it all comes down to the very simple process of you want to be where your ideal customers are. You want to know what mm -hmm. they're talking about. You want to be able to, to interact with them very easily. And it could be connecting with them on LinkedIn. It could be the Facebook group. It could be, fi Hey, find me the top a hundred blogs for Facebook marketing agencies and let's reach out to all those blogs and see if they'll put a backlink in or see if we can do some kind of swap. Like that's the kind of creativity that a virtual assistant allows you to do because you don't want to spend all your week doing that research and then have it turn into nothing. But if you have a VA do it, yeah, you lost a bit, a little bit of money, but your time is worth more than money. And then you can always revisit that later, can it for now and try something else. And over time, you're going to figure out what things have the best ROI for your money and your time. Gotcha. So you're testing out a lot of different things, seeing what has that best ROI and doing more of it. But in everything, you're working with a VA to kind of shorten that time horizon for when you're figuring out whether or not something works. Like you mentioned, you're not spending all weekend putting together a list and doing all the outreach and then figuring out a week or so later, like this isn't what I should be doing or I should be trying a different way. So I like that. It seems like you're able to make quicker decisions, get quicker results and get that shorten that information loop. So I love that. Can you give us an example of maybe one of your customers who's been in outsource school or just to give context to how they've used a VA to do some things like that in a different market? Yeah. I mean, I'll keep going back to podcasts because I, sure. I think that's probably one of our most popular courses, but just because like we're talking B2B right now, but you can go B2C with podcasts too. I mean, there was a, a client that had a, a, like a cup or a bar. It was something for like a very fancy bar equipment. So mm -hmm. he started going on podcasts that were all about like mixed, mixed drinks and being like a bartender and, and it got created that way. And again, he's getting in front of his target audience. So you don't have to, not everything is B2B. I know this is a B2B podcast, mm -hmm. but I, I hear a lot like, Hey, I can't go on podcasts or like, that's not, that doesn't work for my industry. There's podcasts for everything now. Like podcasts yeah. have niched out to the extreme. So all you have to do is find that niche. And, and I think the other side of it, like we've talked a lot about scaling. It's very hard to scale when you're still stuck in the day-to-day -day operations of your business. So step one is learn our interview process, onboarding process, training and management process. And it's not rocket science. You're going to have to spend a little bit of time on it, but you're going to get exact systems you can plug into your business. And then once you have those systems, then you can go the operations route or the scaling route. You can figure out, hey, how do I do less bookkeeping, less customer service? And that's always where we encourage people to start. So we have people that are putting their VAs into the systems of their business 
taking a step out of those systems, that lets them reorganize and they're like, all right, let's focus on scaling. Let's build a VA team to focus on that. Because if you're just focused on the scaling first and then you're getting all these leads and you can't fulfill them or your time is all crazy and then you don't even have time for the podcast or you're working 15 hours a day plus a podcast, that's not gonna work too well for you either. So it's learn the fundamentals, get out of at least some systems and processes, get five, 10 hours a week back and then focus on the scaling. Got it. When it comes to building these systems that your courses teach, can you kind of break down where SOPs fall into that? What these systems typically look like when it comes to like overall, what are the big points of, of working with a VA? Yeah, I mean, we're a big proponent of SOP, standard operating procedures. We're actually building an SOP building software that our members will get access to. In all our playbooks and all our courses, we give you the exact SOP. Not only do we give you the SOP, but we give you a video explaining it and training it that you can just give to your VA and teach them. But at the same time, if you don't know anything about the type of VA you're looking for, because a lead generation virtual assistant is not going to be the same type of VA as a customer service rep or a bookkeeper. So we need to give you the background. It's like, hey, you've learned our foundation. You know how to interview, onboard, train, and manage. But for this particular role, this is what you're looking for. These are the things to be careful of. Now, here's the overview. You don't have to learn bookkeeping in the extreme, but you at least should know what's going on and what monthly reports to expect. Now, here's an SOP. Here's a training process. Give it to your VA. And then this is how you manage them after the fact. Because most VA, a lot of VAs could be good. Some of them could be bad, but you have to be able to judge that. You have to be able to run meetings and have intelligent conversation with them. So it's like, all right, you got them set up. This is what you do after the fact. These are the red flags to watch out for. And some of it's short, like a playbook, our partnership playbook. We give you a system. It's one video. It's pretty cut and dry. You can plug it in. Lead generation is a little bit more intense is probably not the right word, but there's just a lot of different types of lead gen, a lot of different businesses. So the course is a little bit more in depth and making sure you have everything covered so you don't run into issues later. So everything is either a short playbook or a small course, but it all comes down to having the SOP and then around the SOP to make sure you have success. I love it. Love it. What are some things that working with VAs that you might not have I guess some ways that you've worked with VAs that you didn't necessarily think so or think about at the time, but you're like, oh, I didn't know I could use or work with a VA for that. And it kind of like surprised you. So this year, actually, we hired a VA to write our newsletters and we proof them before they go out, but we've never done that before. Connor, my business partner, who's a fantastic writer, has been writing newsletters since we started Free Up four years ago. And we found a VA, we actually hired her for backlinks and guest posts, and she was so good. We had her write some newsletters and we were like, wow, this is incredible. She's like in our tone, in our voice. And yeah, every once in a while we like correct something or change something, but that's no big deal. And so I mean, I'm under the impression that you can outsource everything. Now, there are certain things that you should outsource sooner rather than later or things that you should wait to outsource. For example, I wouldn't recommend someone starts off outsourcing sales. Can it be done? Of course. Are there people that outsource sales? Definitely. By the time we got to year four at FreeUp, we had VAs taking phone calls and all of that. But we spent a lot of time developing our pitch, figuring out our customer avatar, figuring out our lead generation process, and then we got them involved in sales. So there's a certain order you do things in, and I think outsourcing a newsletter in the first six months of a business, I probably wouldn't advise people to do that, but we were fortunate enough to, to get someone, and that kind of shocked us or, or wowed us. Awesome. Now, if you ask anybody, like, wouldn't you love to just pay someone to take all these tasks off your hands and handle it for you, most people would say yes. But- there's a problem with people giving up control of what they're doing. There's this kind of like tension, this not wanting to let go, not wanting to give up control. 
What do you have to say about that, people getting over that and how people should approach that? There's only one way to scale a business, right? You, you have to hire people at some point. If you don't hire people, you're, you're never going to be able to take a week off. Sure. Your business is only going to scale to a certain level. And, and again, you can still have control over your business even when you're hiring people. And again, you don't even have to hire people full time. You can hire people for five hours a month, 10 hours a week, whatever you want to do. But again, you have to scale if you want to grow your business. At some point, you're going to hit that ceiling. There, there's very few $1 million a year, $5 million a year solo entrepreneurs out there. It doesn't really exist. And there's four ways to run a business. You run it forever, you run it into the ground, you get investors or you sell it. And <laughs> assuming you don't want to run into the ground, if you want to get investors, you better not be doing everything yourself. I personally don't want to get investors, but you do need a team. Mm -hmm. If you want to sell your company, I just went through a sale. The half their due diligence was just asking us for our SOPs on how every single system worked and who did it. And if you want to run a business forever and not be stuck to your job or be pretty much be a workaholic the rest of your life, you need other people to be able to do those tasks. So there's really no way around it. And it's also one of the things that I think people neglect. Like I'm so surprised that there hasn't been an outsource school type thing because like everyone's teaching Facebook ads or, or all these different things, but hiring is the core. If you don't know how to hire, you can't succeed as an entrepreneur. You can know one or two things and learn how to hire for everything else and have a lot of success. If you just know how to run Facebook ads, but you don't know how to hire, your business is only going to go so far. Absolutely. And uh, the first thing you mentioned you were outsourcing was bookkeeping and people probably shouldn't outsource sales in the beginning, which makes sense. What are some things after bookkeeping that you usually like to offload when you start a business? Yeah. Social media, posting, scheduling, stuff like that is right up there. Customer service is right up there. I mentioned scheduling, but also responding from my inbox, clearing out my emails before I wake up and, and you set a level, Hey, you can answer up to here. And if you don't know how to do something, you leave it for me. Like there's very easy systems to set up. I'm, I'm creating a customer service source uh, course right now. Other things we talked about lead generation. That's a great one to get someone to do that right away. Any kind mm -hmm. of research or, or data entry work. And then every business has something in their supply chain, something that has to do with fulfillment, whether it's working, doing work for their customers, if you're offering a service or product management, inventory management, whatever it is, and coming up for a system of your core business to help remove you out of it and getting a VA in there is one of the top things you should do. Awesome. Awesome. Love it, Nathan. If someone's interested in learning more about things that you've mentioned today, or if they're interested in checking out Outsource School, where can they find you? So I'm one of the easiest entrepreneurs to contact online and I, know, I love networking. So feel free to reach out to me, Nathan Hirsch, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, Real Nate Hirsch, Instagram or Twitter. If you go to Outsource School, you can grab our free VA calculator, figure out how many VAs you can afford You can check out our membership. We'd love to have you and feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nathan. I learned a lot today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.